listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day all and welcome back to episode 70 of On the Road and our very first show for 2022. This week we're joined by trucking royalty, long-time truckie, icon of the industry and inductee into the Hall of Fame, Bob McMillan. We catch up with Women in Trucking Australia CEO Lyndall Denny to find out how the industry is treating our female drivers in our That's What You Think segment. We introduce the young lady who swept the Golden Guitar Awards last year. Her name is Fanny Lumsden, and as well as a great chat, we'll play her new single for you as well. We've got the latest from our newsroom and Mike with something to talk about all a bit later in the show. We've also got more music from last week's guest artist, Billy Joe Porter. As always, it's yet another great show, chock-a-block full of trucking good information and entertainment. So, let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Eight Golden Guitars, a third studio album fellow, announced as Best Country Album at the ARIA Awards, and a host of other gongs all coming around the time that Australia went into COVID lockdown, such as the huge talent and tenacity of Fanny Lumsden. Along with hubby Dan, she runs Red Dirt Road, her own record label and production company, and self-manages her hugely successful Country Halls touring brand, which has sold out over 180 shows around Australia. When I first contacted Fanny, she was also in the process of releasing a new single and video, which sees her driving a B-double in a wedding dress, and as if that's not enough, was taking a couple of weeks off to have a baby. How she's found the time to talk to us, I have no idea, but we're sure glad that she has. Born and raised on a farm in western New South Wales, with a dad who drove trucks for many years, and another family member just kicking off his own transport business, you could say that trucking runs deep through Fanny's veins. We finally caught up on the phone the other day, and here's the chat that we had. Fanny, welcome to On The Road, and thanks for taking the time to join us today. Ah, thank you for having me. It's great to have a chat. Well, it's a pleasure, and it's been worth the wait. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Fanny, you're a hugely successful self-managed artist with a busy label, production and touring company, as well as being a new mum. I got tired just reading your bio. How do you keep that pace up? (laughs) I think not stopping is the key. I don't know. I have a lot of help from friends and family and people I work with. And I think it's just a lot of fun when you do stuff that you love. I think it's a lot easier to kind of immerse yourself in it. And I don't think there's much line between people say work-life balance or whatever, anything like that. I think ours is all just one, Yeah. you know, kind of melds into each other. Well, it's not really a job when you love what you do, is it? Yeah, exactly right. Don't get me wrong. I definitely get tired (laughs) and I definitely get a lot of work, but yeah, I really love it. I suppose it gives me a lot of energy as well. Like, you know, when we're on the road and touring and playing shows and stuff, just the simple act of going out and meeting people and talking to people and getting on the stage and hearing their applause and seeing their faces and seeing people, I don't know, just get joy from something gives me a lot of energy. So it's kind of a bit of a cycle. So, yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. Now, it'd be an understatement to say that 2021 was a huge year for you. Congratulations on your successes with the Golden Guitars. <laughs> what is it? Album of the Year, Alternative Country Album of the Year, Female Artist of the Year, Single of the Year, Video Clip of the Year, along with your <laughs> ARIA Award and more. Did you find yourself at any stage saying we're going to need a bigger pool room? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. There was the castle jokes cracked around left, right and centre because I think it was the only way I could deal with what was going on. (laughs) 
revert to the castle when all else fails. Absolutely. Yeah, it was pretty mind-blowing. I think we've always just done our own thing, my husband and I, and how we run everything in my team. Mm. We do everything our way and it's not been quite the way that things have been done before. So we've kind of always just focused on what we were doing rather than kind of that side of things. Mm. And that was always kind of other people, right? Like I watched other people get all the awards and, and like I was fine with that. I was usually the one that was like, you know, spilling food on myself and running into the corner <laughs> of the table and like being loud, and, you know. And so it was very confusing for me to have that night. But I'm very, very grateful. Like it's quite amazing. I'm still kind of getting my head around it really because you write songs and then you create music in such a bubble mm. and you have no idea how they're going to be received. You don't feel like those dreams where you're naked yes. <laughs> or you can't run or you can't see properly, those kind of dreams. Yeah. It kind of feels like that when you release it because you just don't know what's going to happen and you've just got to be happy with it yourself. And then for it to be received so well, I think I might quit now. Might be done. <laughs> <laughs> you've done very well. Now I've been listening to Fierce, the song that won you the single of the year. It is an absolutely awesome song. Can you share with us the story behind Fierce? Yeah, thanks. I actually wrote it, I wrote the start, I think I wrote the first verse. And it was actually International Women's Day, which sounds funny, sounds a bit cliche, but I was at home and it was a few years ago. Hmm. And I had just done a post on social media about the fierce women in my life. Like my mum and my sisters, my grandmas, everyone and I was really just thinking about how all these women had had such a huge impact on me and were so fierce in their own ways mm. and quite different. And they're all from the land and you take them for granted, I think, growing up. And I'd just been surrounded by them always. And I just had this moment where I realization, I think, and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> they're amazing. I've had such incredible role models. Yeah. And so that verse just kind of fell out of my mouth. And then it was kind of like, I'm not overly into preachy kind of songs that... <laughs> preach you how to do this that and the other but that one kind of just fell out of my mouth and so I think when songs do that it's like you catch them on the breeze sometimes and if you get them in the right moment they just happen there's a bit of magic there so a bit hard to explain really and I wasn't even going to include it on the album actually because I hadn't finished it when we went to record and I'm just very grateful because my husband Dan I'd finished kind of putting the beds down for all the songs so that's kind of where you kind of just track them out a bit to figure out what you're going to do and yep. and I'd done them all and we got to the end and Dan was like what about that fierce one and I was like oh it's not done he goes just put it down anyway and I'm sure you can write another verse between now and us finishing this album <laughs> and I was like all right we'll just do it then we've got it. it doesn't matter yeah and then yeah it turned into fierce so I'm glad we did yeah I'm glad you did too the lyrics are amazing as is the entire song but lyrically it's not preachy as you were saying before it's just magnificent storytelling and it drags you in i love it thank you (laughs) yeah i think i'll give those women the tribute i think really for sure yeah (laughs) now penny with the country starting to open up again what's the plans for you in 2022 bear in mind we haven't got all day so (laughs) (laughs) in brief yeah So we are basically going to start the year off by getting a heap of these Country Hills tour shows rescheduled. Mm -hmm. Over the last two years, we've had to reschedule and reschedule and reschedule and cancel and all that kind of stuff. So we haven't had a lot of luck there. So we're really hoping this year coming will be a little better. So we'll be back on the road with the Country Hills tour from January through to April. Right. And then some of them are in hot locations, so we'll do them later in the year. Mm. We've got some festivals in there too, and then we're back on the road with the rescheduled Paul Kelly show. So we're very lucky to be opening up for Paul Kelly on his on-the-road tour. I'll say, yeah. Absolute bucket list. We just sit there side of stage watching his set after we play every night that we've done it so far. And I just honestly cannot believe it that I'm sitting there. Yeah. And then we'll have a little break then and then back on the road with Shallow 2.0. So we've got another tour for that as well happening. Mm. And then we're working, I'll be working on a new album for kind of the rest of the year as well as just kind of some other touring. We'll try and get out there as much as we can just to kind of make up for some lost time over the last two years. Also bearing in mind that I'll have two little children on the road with us this time. We'll be juggling it all, but I'm I'm sure people have managed much more challenging situations than that. So, yeah, be good. Good, good. It's fun that we're talking here with the birds going in the background. It's just the most (laughs) beautiful. I'm getting so relaxed here. It's wonderful. Oh, good. Good, yes. I'm just sitting in my garden in Tuma in the western side of the Snowy Mountains near Tumbaramba. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
very beautiful. Obviously, there's been a lot of rain like everywhere, and the birds are loving it. That one particularly. That one's fairly vocal this morning. <laughs> it is. You might have to record that and put it into a song. Yeah. Now, you were talking about social media before. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you, your music, the live shows and all that? Following along on Instagram or Facebook, so just at Fanny Lumsden and at Country Halls Tour is probably the best idea. I'm probably the most active on Instagram and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have a mailing list that you can sign up for. So if you just go through my Facebook page, you can find the sign up or on my website. Great. All of the normal platforms and you can find music on all the normal platforms as well. Now, we spoke earlier about your connection with the trucking industries and our truckies have had a tough time of it over the past year or two, trying to keep up with the restrictions, trying to maintain compliance, often at great inconvenience and cost to themselves, yet still managing to keep our country moving forward. Would you have any message of encouragement you'd like to pass on to our truckies while we've got you here? Oh, I am so grateful for the truckies. Like you said, the country would stop still if it wasn't for the transport industry. Yeah. Musicians couldn't get from A to B. We use, you know, all sorts of transport to use, move things around. I'm just really grateful and thanks and keep it up. And to be honest, we just did this accidental lap around Australia in the last few months. <laughs> we got stuck in Darwin and then we could get into WA, so we did. And so we were, you know, up in the world of the road train. And I've actually decided if all of this music thing doesn't pan out, I might just go and get my trucking license and become a truckie. So <laughs> it's my next career path. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Tanya Kernigan's got her truck license. Yeah, that's right. This could be a big thing to come. <laughs> I've been chatting this week with Aussie country music Dynamo, and I can't think of a better word, maybe whirlwind, Fanny Lumsden. Fanny, we really appreciate you grabbing a few minutes to share. Thanks for coming out and playing on the road with us today. Can we get you to introduce your wonderful song, Fears, to us to close out our chat, please? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And everyone take care out there on the road. I am Fanny Lumsden, and this is Fierce. Have a great Christmas and a great 2022. You too, absolutely. Fights behind our armed forces, another army of vital to victory. This is the Australian Women's Land Army, producing essential foodstuffs. On Australian farms, they're doing a man-sized job.
today, I've got a bloke who rang me up to take me to Tarasco for a headline on something I'd written and was printed in big rigs. That's the reason why I put my name and phone number and everything on there so people can ring me up. Well, lo and behold, Bob McMillan's rung me up. Now, Bob is a legend in the industry. He's been around forever. Sadly, I don't think he's driving anymore. We'll find out a bit more of that shortly. But he's a familiar name amongst the older generation. Had a long career as an owner-driver and a beloved member of the industry. I am so proud that the man has decided to come on and have a quick chat with us here today. Welcome to the show, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Look, I probably want to kick off with what are your earliest memories of the trucking, mate? Probably my earliest memories of trucking and my grandfather's log trucks working in the Hastings Valley around Warhope in New South Wales. My grandfather was a very well-known sawmiller in the Hastings Valley and he had an NR Mac that he bought ex-army after the Second World War. Wow. Repowered it with a Rolls-Royce and then he had a couple of Leyland Super Hippos and I used to go up the bush with Pop. And then when I was about five years old, we moved down to Mount Druitt on the Great Western Highway where my dad established a retail timber yard for the family company. And, of course, all you saw all day was Foden's and Commas and Internationals, Mm. some early Macs running up and down with gravel and sand and fuel. Uh, You know, um, I've forgotten his name. Now the fellow in Penrith had had all the green trucks taking the beer and everything out. It was uh, Bill Chapman. Yeah, W.L. Chapman, he was called. You know, there was just so much going on, and I just fell in love with trucks there and then. Yeah, well, it's a great industry. It's been good to me, and I think it's certainly been good to you. But yes. When you haven't just confined yourself to driving, you're one of the guys that helped kick off owner driver back in the day, you and several others, and various contributions to the politics. I mean, the industry's been the love of your life, really, hasn't it, Bob? Yes, it has been, Mike. I got involved in some of the politics and I've always probably been a little bit outspoken, but I got involved in trying to contribute to making the industry and the world a better place because of some hardship and some tragedy I went through, well, myself and my former wife went through together and the way people gathered around us and responded to it and just felt like the only way I could show my real appreciation was to try and make things better for a while. So I got invited to be involved in lots of different things and the offers that were made to me that I thought were worthwhile, I accepted. Yeah. So when you started writing for Owner Driver, and you were writing about the issues that were important back then. Yes. My suspicion has always been that some of those issues are still out there today that have never been properly dealt with. What do you think about that? You're spot on. That's probably why I no longer write columns for magazines or for anyone else. I still have a bit to say from time to time, as I did when I called you the other day, because I still have strong opinions. Mm. But after a while, you realise that there's only so many different ways you can deal with or talk about the same problem. Yeah. If no one's taking any action, it makes you wonder whether they're even listening. Yeah. You sort of do start to think you're banging your head against the wall when we've had driver licensing and training reform on the back burner for like 20 years. Yeah, well, I think it was item number three in the log of claims for the 1979 blockade was that we sought to have uniform laws and regulations across Australia for road transport, Hmm. and we still don't have them. No, we still don't. Dead right. I suppose that takes us to the article that I wrote, which has only just been published, about why Western Australia isn't a part of the heavy vehicle national law, NHVR thing. And my editor, God love him, put on there that it was the biggest elephant in the room. You seem to think that there are other elephants in the room. (laughs) How many elephants are there? (laughs) I'll cut straight to the chase, Mike. I think your editor identified the wrong elephant. (laughs) There are several, though, Bob. Yes, there are. But I was always brought up to understand and act on the premise that if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, what Western Australia and therefore the Northern Territory, because they have similar ways of dealing with things, I think their systems ain't broke, so they don't need fixing. Yeah. So I think the elephant is the eastern states and the central states and Canberra itself trying to impose their onerous rules and view of things on something that already works. Yeah. And that's why I say your editor, you know, and God bless him, we probably didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> but the eastern states certainly see the bureaucracies I'm talking about, not the industry. Yeah. But the bureaucracy in the eastern states obviously see WA and Northern Territory as the elephant in the room because they won't change their way of thinking. But what the eastern states need to realise is that they are the elephant in the room because they don't understand when something works, you don't muck around with it. Yeah, well, we've just had a great big look at the heavy vehicle national law. 
and the NHBR came out with a few recommendations. They wanted to change a few things, and everyone howled them down, and they backpedaled fairly swiftly on us. <laughs> yeah, well, part of that was the NTC trying to get involved in imposing European driving hours laws in a country the size of Australia with a totally different economic and geographical makeup. So I think the first thing we ought to do if you want to make some progress is ban overseas study tours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We could save a few dollars in the process. I think we probably could. <laughs> I had a bit of a chat with Glenn Stirl there the other week and we were talking about how things went with the inquiry that he ran and yeah. I said that I thought that we could do with a bit of an injection of the West Coast on the East Coast and he agreed with me, reckoned I finally seen the light. Okay. He will be one of those people that will be moving in that direction if he gets the opportunity down the track. I don't think he'd be wrong, do you? No, I don't. And the thing about you know, going back to that headline, Mike, mm. you hit some very good points with your article. Mm. The headline sort of detracted from it a little bit. <laughs> well, I did ring the editor up and say to him that Bob McMillan said that you probably got the headline wrong. He said, give him his phone number, he can tell me himself. Well, he's, he's welcome to give me a call. My number's public <laughs> and there's thousands of people that know it. So <laughs> I'm happy to talk to anyone, mate. I got involved with a lot of people in high places when I was involved in the industry politics. Yeah. We're all just human beings with a set of beliefs and passions and democracy allows us to deal with. Yeah, no, I don't think he was in any way serious, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mind if he was. I can get pretty intense myself. <laughs> uh, just wildly amusing to me, that's all. You probably found my call amusing, but that's fine. Well, I found your call a surprise because it's one of those things, as you said when you wrote, you believe that the people who write the pieces of the articles for the magazines and various industry pieces or stand up and say something about it really do have a responsibility to take ownership of it and give people a chance to respond. And that's why I put my contact information on the stories. I enjoy having the conversations and I don't mind defending my point of view and sometimes I've even changed my mind after I've spoken to people. So, no, Well, that's all fair because we can't all be right about everything mm. and there's lots of different opinions out there and lots of different research being done. But it's uh, been a pet peeve of me that some people have come along and not identified themselves. I, like, I even had my signature on everything I wrote. Yep. A few people sort of warned me about that and I said, well, it doesn't matter. They're not going to have access to my checkbooks or my bank accounts or anything else. No. I just want them to know that I really believe in what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm. That's the thing. I've had people come back and say to me, you know, they agree or they, they don't agree, and we've had some great conversations about it. And I, and I love that back and forth because it gives us an opportunity to expand what we know. And as you say, none of us know everything. Oh, well, you know, the late Ted Stevens and I were great mates. Yeah. And we often agreed to disagree, yeah. but it didn't stop us having a beer and appreciating. And I managed to get down to see Ted only a couple of weeks before he passed away. And, mm. you know, he more or less pleaded with me to come and see him because we just, you know, we just had such a great mutual respect for each other, even though we often thought and acted in different directions. Yeah, well, I never, ever had the opportunity to meet Ted. But you're poorer for not meeting him. I have met a few of the others, though. Yeah. Worked with Barry Grimson here for a while. I'm going back to work with Barry very shortly. Barry's a great man and he's a credit to himself and all he's tried to do with his life and achieve. Yeah. As far as legends go, there's no shortage of them. All those five fellows that were on top of Razorback, as far as I'm concerned, they're the leaders of the pack. Well, they did do what they said they were going to do and made some changes. I suppose that's the most important thing. Yes, they carried it out and I will not listen to anyone who says that they didn't achieve anything because they achieved a great deal. Yeah. And every protest I've ever been involved in and every protest I've ever read about or studied never, ever achieved all of its aims. No, that's right. As far as I'm concerned, Razorback achieved enough of its aims and made enough of a difference over a long enough period of time to be considered as one of the best things that ever happened to this industry. No argument out of me on that. Good on you. We'll just take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll come right back, and I want to talk to you about something else I wrote about whether the mateship's gone in the industry or not, and we'll see what you've got to say about that. Okay. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. 
For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. I'm back with Bob McMillan, icon of the industry. I know you probably get sick of being called that, mate, but you've trodden some pretty wild roads in your day and you've been called part of the fabric of the industry yourself. How do you feel about that sort of thing? Oh, well, I don't dwell on it a lot, Mike. I've certainly been recognised as an icon of the industry by the Road Transport Hall of Fame, but my reaction is there's a lot of other people out there who probably deserved an award like that before I ever did. Mm. The main issue is that I feel totally privileged and entirely grateful that I've been part of a great industry for all these years with so many great memories to look back on and to have been able to and still able to call so many great people mates. Yeah. And that's men and women, not just blokes. Yeah, well, that's right. And funnily enough, I've got a few old mates that I've known for years and you might not have seen each other for six months or something like that, but you can get back and sit down the road as you run into each other and you can talk it was like you were talking yesterday. You're right. One of the things that hit me right between the eyes, I was totally shocked at Alice Springs in 2018 because I didn't expect it. I had no prior notice. Mm. One of the things that sort of hit me up the guts was that I had some dear mates, some that had recently passed, mm. some that had passed well before, and one of them being Ted Stevens and other names I could mention, who I wished had been able to be there to share in it with me because mm. that was what I missed. Yeah. Family and mates that couldn't be with me, and I wish they could have been. Well, hopefully we're going to look forward to seeing another get-together soon. Obviously, the events of the last couple of years have buggered a lot of things up. So, Well, there was 110 of us there for the induction ceremony last August. Mm. I hope there's 110,000 of us or 10,000 of us that can be there this year, Yeah, God willing. Well, you sent me a link to a YouTube clip with pictures, and that was a bit of you and another fellow... I can't even... Dean Croke. Dean Croke talking, that's right. Yes. And obviously his beautiful Pete there at the end. But there was a great swag of photographs of things that you've taken across the industry. And I'll include the link to that in the show notes for the listeners so they can go and have a look at it themselves. Okay. But we're talking about company colours and how things have changed over the years. I mean, obviously things do change. We can't stay where we are. But I remember, you know, you would see a truck coming towards you and you would pick the colours and you'd know who it was before you could ever read the writing on the door. That's changed a lot now. Everyone's just running around with plain white. A lot of the characters got all going, I think, from the industry. Do you think that? Yes, I do. I will mention, though, that there's two great companies and one is still in virtually its original form. The other's now a public company that you can identify their trucks coming straight towards you. One is Lindsay Brothers and the other's Collins is from Adelaide. Yeah. And I think it's a great credit to them that even though John Collins has changed his colour scheme to a more practical one these days, Lindsay's are obviously gone from Lindsay Brothers to Lindsay Transport. Look, I think a lot of that sort of thing died with the fellas that were part of it all, like the late Horry Rutledge and Nev Greentree. They were credited by people I knew and worked for with actually creating the colour schemes of the trucks that they lined and scrolled and sign wrote. Yeah. So it was an art that died with the people who practised it, unfortunately. Yeah, there are a few of them still around, like the guys from Emerald that cart the fuel. Oh, yes, the Halox, yes, they've leads a credit to them. Yeah, obviously you, Wickham's has still got their signature paint job. Yeah, well, I just quoted Lindsay's and Collins's as two examples. Yeah, no, I, I'm hearing you. Peter Gilbert and ABC in Adelaide and even White Line, yeah. my friends Bob and Sharon, and even Les and Judy Blenner with their fleet. They've got very identifiable sort of off-white fleet. And then another fellow who actually bought me out, Ethan, Natasha, the Loney with their company, Rushway, very identifiable, even though they're white trucks. They've got just a nice amount of bling on them and a, a particular style of sign writing and lining and scrolling that certainly lights them up. The other thing, I suppose, is that there are a few big names that have gone by the wayside over the years as well. I remember back when I first started, the SARs and Quickasair and the Comets and the TNTs and all those sort of things yeah. shifted sideways, been absorbed or just gone out of business altogether. Yeah, a lot of them became part of corporate takeovers and everything else. Mm. But if you look back, it's two years since I retired now, and I still consider myself part of the industry. Mm. But I look back on over 57 years and say, well, there's two things that happened as far as that sort of thing goes. One is that there was a lot of corporate takeovers and people who did very nicely out of selling out. Mm. And there was a lot of people that came along and tried to get two and two to make seven. <laughs> but it was never going to, so it never did. Yeah. Well, I suppose the first bloke that springs to mind about getting out and making a comeback, 
Ron Finnamore certainly went away and did a few other things and got into his horses, yeah. and now he's back with a substantial fleet again. Yes, yeah, well, he's not the only one that's come back from the ashes of disappointment. <laughs> There's been a few of those. Yeah. I could rattle a few off there, but I think sometimes people need to find out what hardship's all about before they can understand what success is all about. That's true too, mate. I had a lot of dry gullies I had to find a way out of to go for as long as I did, Mike, and I was grateful to always have someone that could give me a bit of a hand up. Yeah, well, no one gets out of it unscathed, I don't think. No, they don't. I had five at one stage and... One of my drivers had a crash and it was not his fault. Yeah. It was gut-wrenching to have to go through it. Yeah. Luckily, no one was seriously injured or anything like that, but it was just one of the most trying things that ever happened to me. But you can't be in the game without the knowledge that something like that can happen either, so... No, you can't. You have to be aware. Mm. Yeah. Seems to catch a few people by surprise, though, when something bad happens, I think, sometimes. So. Well, you know, trouble always comes at the wrong time. Mm. It can come at the worst time for some people and not quite the worst time for others. Yeah. Ages ago, I wrote a piece, you know, talking about Barry Grimson. We were sitting down, we were having a chat one day over a cuppa, and as he's prone to do... And we are talking about mateship and, and how things have changed. And I know you've got a very firm opinion about the way things go in the industry and everything. Barry sort of thinks that things have changed a bit, obviously. You know, there are a number of factors just inside the industry that have driven change as far as drivers having time to stop and give each other a hand and things. But you think it's a wider issue rather than just trucks. Yeah. We're just representative of everything else. Is that what you said to me, Ron? Yeah, it is, Mike, yes. I love being a part of this industry and you know, I value the great friendships and mateship that I've experienced and still experience. But the sad reflection of it is that what happens in our industry as far as behaviour and attitudes go, and it's from the top of the tree right down to the bloke that's going to buy his first truck tomorrow or the bloke that's going to get his first articulated or long-distance job tomorrow. Yeah. It's a reflection of society, of what's happening in society, of what's happening in the greater community. Because some people's attitudes and behaviour does change, it's dynamic, it doesn't stay the same. And all us blokes that came into the industry in the 60s like I did, and there's still a couple around that came in the 50s and the 70s, we grew up in a society that was grateful to have peace again after two world wars and a Great Depression. Mm. And so friendship, mateship and comradeship was valued. And we're all in a hurry. We're all trying to get there as quick as time possible, but we weren't in too much of a hurry to help a mate who was in trouble or see someone get out of trouble who was in it. The world's become much more urgent and pacey place. You talk about the mateship lost in road transport, well, you can talk to miners and you can talk to all sorts of people in society who will say the same thing. Yeah, I don't dispute that. I think you're pretty right as far as that goes. Yeah, well, I just think it's a reflection of the way society's gone, not just the industry itself. Yeah. Mm. There have been some changes in the industry, mate. Obviously, when you first started, we didn't have speed-limited trucks and because you didn't have the horsepower back then either, but (laughs) now we're just driving great big cars, a lot of us, and... The technology that's in the truck, I mean, I've just come back from working in the Pilbara with a couple of cameras on you and a couple of cameras out the front and tracking and electronic log books and all that sort of stuff. What do you think about that? I mean, you're out of the game now. You can afford to be candid, Bob, good or bad. It's a bit hard. I can be in two minds about all of it some days, Mike, depending on what mood I'm in, I think. But back in the 60s when you're in a phone box at Tarkata or Holbrook or somewhere and someone had super glued two bob coins into it, <laughs> it was a bit hard to imagine that we'd have our own telephones in our shirt pocket and be able to ring anyone in the world. Yeah. If someone had told you that was going to happen, you'd have thought, well, he's on some pretty good gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's probably gone a bit too far. Yeah. My mate Dean Croak, we've done four videos together altogether. Yeah. You can see the strengths and weaknesses of electronic work diaries in America. I hope they never become mandatory. I hope they're just a matter of choice. And I'm sure that big companies that have got their schedules and their internal insurance arrangements and everything worked out and need to go down that path will. Mm. But I look back on my years as an owner-driver and if I couldn't have been as flexible as I was able to be, I think I'd have suffered financial penalties that were very difficult to deal with. Yeah, that's part of it, isn't it? These days with the cameras and that, I know that there are blokes that push themselves a little bit further to get past that camera because they know that if they don't, it'll bugger tomorrow up. I think they've gone too far. You've only got to think about the fact that New South Wales spends somewhere between 9 and $19 million a year sending please explain letters out to people that exceeded the time between two cameras too quickly, particularly between Broken Hill and Bogabilla. Mm. And they've got nothing in place like an e-tag or anything to identify two up teams or people on BFM or AFM. Well, just on that, I mean, I've got to please explain one day. 
my missus and I, we ran the paddock for three and a half years. Yeah. And I got to please explain for going through a camera when we were driving two up on BFM. And I mean, you, you've really got to try hard to bugger it up if you're doing that. That's right. <laughs> that was just a waste of time. I got a number of them because it was on BFM and they had no way of identifying it. Yeah. So they've gone a long way with it all and you could possibly think they've gone too far, but there needs to be a few checks and balances. Especially as an owner-driver, I found it quite frustrating to have to come home and tear out four logbook sheets and reprint my certificate <laughs> and get a priority paid envelope because the mail was in the mailbox for six days before I got home from Perth. Yep. Just went on and on. And uh, I made a phone call actually to the RMS and suggested they ought to find someone to invent a knee tag. And they said, oh, no, that'd be no good. They'd be too open to corruption. I thought, well, how corrupt do you want to get? <laughs> yeah. They're already pretty corrupt, in my view, spending all that taxpayer money to uh, bolster up an inept system. Let's not start on the bureaucracy of getting a permit in New South Wales then, mate. <laughs> that was the thing about road tax, mate. The last year of road tax, they collected $8.4 million in New South Wales. Yeah. And it cost them $12.6 million to collect it. Yeah. Wonderful, isn't it? Ted Stevens and the boys and all the people who supported them, like myself, we did the New South Wales Treasury a great favour. Well, all the state treasuries, to be honest. I don't think Nifty saw it that way, though. No. No, Joe Bjorki-Peterson did, though. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was the first to agree to drop road tax, and um, he virtually thanked us for it. Yeah, I'm sure. I had some great yarns with poor old Joe. <laughs> I remember watching him on TV with Yana and telling her, don't you worry about that, Yana. <laughs> yeah, we're not all crop up, <laughs> up here in Queensland. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> uh, some of his licked the toads, mate. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's all part of history. And, and that's the thing that, you know, to go back to your question about my involvement in the industry, I just think it's a great privilege to have been a part of so much history mm. and to be involved in it and to know quite well a lot of the people that were and have been. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, it's a great privilege for me to have a chat with you and I'm so pleased you agreed to come on and thanks for ringing me. If you feel as though I need jerking into gear down the track, don't be afraid to let me know. Yeah, well, you can tell your editor that I called you because I didn't have his number. <laughs> With the greatest respect, Mike. <laughs> With the greatest respect, I'll certainly pass that on, mate. Take care of yourself, Bob. Thanks for being on the show. It's been fun. Thank you. Good on you, mate. You have a great day up there in North Queensland. Enjoy the weather. I live in paradise, a beautiful town called Cardwell. You certainly do. Lovely place. Oh, look me up up here if you're up this way. I certainly will, mate. No worries. Okay, then. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, mate. Take care. See you, mate. Well, that was Bob McMillan, inductee as an icon of the industry in the Hall of Fame. What a great bloke. I thank him so much for being on the show. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean... How are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. It's time for That's What You Think. One of our great industry friends here at On The Road is Lyndall Denny, dedicated truckie and CEO of Women In Trucking Australia. This week, Lyndall penned a great article for Big Rigs calling for a greater voice for female truckies in Australia. 
We haven't had the chance to chat with Lyndall for a while, so I called her to get the background of the story and her views regarding the plight of female truckies in general. Hi, Lyndall. Happy New Year and welcome back to On The Road. Long time no chat. Thanks, Andy, and same to you and Mike. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're pedalling down through South Australia at the moment. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm doing uh, regional runs Adelaide to border town at the moment. We're not crossing the border. We've got Melbourne drivers coming up and we're dropping and swapping. So that's keeping me out of mischief at the moment. Keeping you out of the milk bars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Now, your Big Wigs article, it's a great read and it draws attention to how the system fails the women behind the wheel. Yeah, it does. And look, it's been an ongoing problem. There's a lot of work being done by people out there in the industry. There's been a cultural shift Mm. where the companies are starting to look beyond lip service and platitudes like women are great, they're much easier on the gear than the blokes to actually starting to develop programs to encourage women into the industry. Mm. People like Jacqueline Brotherton and her team at Transport Women Australia, they're doing great work. And a lot of the big companies are starting to as well. But the numbers are remaining stubbornly low, Andy. Yeah. You know, we just really have to do so much more than we are to get more Australian women into heavy vehicles. Yeah. You mentioned in the story, and this is probably a big part of it, but that women often downplay their skills and experience. Why do you think this happens and what can we do about it? Well... My research shows that it's really a genetic hardwiring. Okay. So if you have a male and a female driver with the same amount of experience, and that may not be much at all, the female will invariably say, look, I've done that a couple of times. I probably need a bit more training, Mm. but I'm happy to sort of give it a go. And the bloke will say, mate, I've done that. I've nailed it. I know what I'm doing. I'm good to go. Yeah. And that's the difference. Women will invariably always downplay their skills and experience and also hardwired to align ourselves with people that are similar to us. Hmm. And given the industry is male-dominated, most of the recruiters are male. So sometimes it's unconscious bias. Other times it's just straight out, we don't want women. Right. I remember one of the very first jobs I went for after I got my truck license, and bearing in mind I'd just come out of 10 years in a Christian organisation, I wandered into a trucking office and was greeted by this calendar with a woman on it who looked like she was ready to go for a pap smear. And the truck manager came out and looked me up and down, and I said, look, I've just got my truck license, just hoping that I can have a little bit of volunteer experience in your yard you know, every weekend, just to, you know, get the idea of being around a trucking company. Hmm. And he looked me up and down and he said, you like getting dirty, do you? And look, honestly, I just nearly picked up and ran. I was just appalled. Yeah. But these are the things that women can face in the industry when they come in. I did turn tail and run. Ten years later, I'd certainly give him the rounds of the table these days. Yeah, rightly so. And I think women come to a quiet place of confidence after they've become truck drivers, but it's getting that first start that is so difficult for us. Hmm. I'd like to think that that sort of attitude is changing, but is it? Oh, look, it is. I'm just going to pen an article too on sexism and the things that women have to deal with Hmm. because it is so ingrained. You know, the male truck drivers overwhelmingly are so supportive of the females, but so many of the things that they say in the truck yard are just ingrained. You know, if a male behaves badly, well, he's behaving like a princess, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I am incredibly broad-minded and I let a lot go, but I will take the boys to task when they make sexist comments because I say, look, that bloke's misbehaving badly. So why is his behaviour then, you know, described as being female behaviour? Yeah. So I think we just need to call that out. But these are the things or the issues that we girls deal with in the industry. We don't go in there with our eyes closed. Mm. You know, I've had 10 years working in human resources and I know that females will research vocations very carefully, far more so than males, before they dip their toe in the water. So... Any female that's out there applying for a trucking job, you could bet she's researched it thoroughly and she's up for it. Yeah. 
Now, you mentioned in the story about different strategies that are upcoming. What sort of strategies do women in trucking have to improve the lot of female truckies? Well, we're actually just working on a brand new initiative, the Foot in the Door program, we're going to be calling that. Mm -hmm. And that's to try to reach out to women who don't have an avenue into the industry, who don't come from a trucking family who want to get into road transport. Mm. So we're going to be targeting those women, inviting them into this program. And we're hoping to get 100 women into the industry in 2022 under the auspices of that particular initiative. I think too, as far as the industry is concerned, we seriously need to start looking at quotas or targets Mm. to make sure that these bigger trucking companies get those numbers of women I still, after five years, am the only female driver on afternoon shift at my company and we have just two on the day shifts. And, you know, we looked at the numbers of women nationally, licensed female heavy vehicle drivers, up through the different license classes. In South Australia, I think there's something like 10,000 MC drivers, the road train drivers. Right. And there's 250 of us female MC drivers. Yeah. So you can see the higher the licence class, the less women there are because we have less opportunities. Yeah. Well, these strategies are great. Lyndall, how do our listeners, and particularly ladies that might be listening and thinking, I've always wanted to have a go at that, they may be the ones that have been downplaying their skills and things for some time. Yep. Where do they go to to find out more of what you guys are doing and how they can get involved and how you can help them to build the roles and the presence of women in trucking? Sure. Women in Trucking Australia have the fastest growing social media page in the industry in Facebook. Wow. We have probably, I don't know, 70% males are buying from the boys has been great. 30% females, most of them are heavy vehicle drivers. Mm-hmm. Contact us through the Facebook page. If you've got a question, I don't answer it. I'll put your post anonymously onto the Facebook page if you want me to do it anonymously. And suddenly you've got the thoughts and opinions of thousands of truck drivers. So our posts regularly exceed a reach of a million people. Wow, that's great. That's brilliant. So a lot of people looking at the posts, a lot of opinions, a lot of advice, a lot of experience. So it's all there. If you've got questions and you want answers, Just contact us through the Women in Trucking Australia Facebook page and I'm sure you'll get the answers you're looking for. Perfect. I've been talking with Lyndall Denny, CEO of Women in Trucking Australia. Go to the Big Wigs News site, read the story that she wrote. It's a great piece and it's a truly important subject. It's been great to catch up, Lyndall. Let's do it again soon. Look forward to it, Andy. As always, it's wonderful to chat. It is indeed. Stay safe out there, mate. See you on the road. Yeah, you take care too, Andy. Thank you. G'day, it's James Johnston here, and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility, which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. So you're a fully-fledged all settled in New South Welshman again, mate. We've moved back in. We've got the whole thing sort of sorted out. I've got a blown-up four-wheel drive to fix and a caravan to sell, but it's good to be home. Apart from that, everything's good. <laughs> mate, I'm back at work. I'm running up and down the East Coast again, annoying everyone. It's brilliant. Mm. Now, we should preface this as we did, I think, last week and just explain to the listeners, Mike is back out on the road again. He's not in his usual truck. He doesn't have the wherewithal to be recording in the way we have in the past. In fact, he's got two gerbils running around in a little cage there to 
power everything up. So the quality from that end is going to be not what you're used to, but we're going to get it back together soon. In the meantime, the important thing is Mike's back on the road. We're just going to have to stuck it up. Indeed. Now, before we kick off, because we've got a fair bit of news here, mate, just a little bit of information I found the other day I thought you might be interested in. Right. I discovered that there are only three things in society that legally require a witness. Is that right? Yep. One's a crime, yeah. two's an accident, <laughs> and three's a marriage. <laughs> Explains a lot, doesn't it? It does. A marriage is all straight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It can be. Oh, dear, oh, dear. There you go, a joke for the week, and I didn't even mention the wife. Thanks for sharing, mate, and I bet she's happy to be left alone for once. Yeah, if she only knew. Oh. Mate, let's kick in. The safety upgrades along the Bruce Highway in Queensland between the Leap and Kerry's Creek have been completed at a cost of $39 million. Yeah, we don't mind spending a bit of money up there, but the Bruce is way behind, mate. They've been spending money on that bit of road, the Bruce Highway, for, I don't know, forever. It seems as long as I can remember. Mm. It's just part of like $110-odd billion worth of national infrastructure at the moment. Yeah. But the Bruce is a key highway for North Queensland, and it continues the economic development up there. I mean, the sugarcane, everything that goes up to Cairns and Townsville, it all goes up on the Bruce Highway, in fact, Without the Bruce Highway, we'd be in a bit of trouble up there, I suppose. Yep. It goes underwater regularly too, so in places. But they've been trying to fix that. Yeah. Well, I've been up here in Queensland since 1980. Mm. So my maths isn't great, but that's about 32 years from my calculations. Yeah. And I can't remember a time when I've ever driven up the Bruce Highway and there haven't been roadworks somewhere. That's right. In 32 years. Yeah, they spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. They're doing a lot more up there from across from Mackay and up through the Whit Sundays and... If you go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage, there's a link at the bottom to uh, show you where all that is. Go there and click on it and have a look. Yeah, well, it's nice for a change to hear about some road work being completed rather than just being in the planning stages. <laughs> yeah, now, Mike, there's been a veritable plethora of truck recalls lately from Volvo and Packard. Yeah. Mm. Mate, the UDs and Volvo Group Australia is recalling 666 Quons. Q-U-O-N-S. Have you ever, I've, I've never heard of them. Well, I hadn't either. I thought it actually was QAnon, and I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. 666, though, mate. The devil's not. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. And Quons, I don't, I don't know anything about them. If anyone's got anything to say about them, I'd love to hear it. I really would. I think they're a, a small native rodent from South Australia, aren't they? A quant? <laughs> they probably are. It sounds like something you can hit with a cricket bat, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> or a 7 iron across the fence into your neighbour's yard. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they found condensed water in the trailer brake circuits, uh, which may become frozen. Yeah, that can't be good. Disable the main brake and cause a vehicle fire. Yeah. So... What, what can you say? Let's let's get that fixed, fellas. You don't often hear about water starting fires, do you? No, well, if it freezes in your brake lines, it causes a brake fire, mate. And well, it locks the brakes and you drag the brakes, they get hot, yeah. wolf up, they go. Off it goes, yep. It's a great way to start a fire, a bit of friction in the brakes. Mm. And what's happening with the Kenworths? The Kenworth models are the C509s, mm. the T359s, 3360s, mm. mm. T410s, T610s, just about everything the Kenworth build, mate. Yeah. Even the Ninos are suffering a little bit, apparently. And that's a steering issue, isn't it? It's a, a steering issue, yeah. Yoke becoming loose in the steering shaft, which may detach, resulting in loss of steering. This is not a good thing. No, it's not. The notice has warned that we should get our trucks checked as a matter of urgency. There's also 124 mercedes Benz back crosses from the 21-year have an issue with their upper steering shaft. The vehicles continue to be operated in this condition. The steering connection may fracture, mm. resulting in a loss of power steering. Mm. See the notice. Now, please, everyone, if you own one of those vehicles that we've talked about, go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage. Look for the story. You can't miss it. They've got a big UD there. Recall notices for UD, Quan, Actros and Kenworth trucks. Find the link to your particular truck and click on it and get the details and make sure you're safe on the roads because I really don't want you coming towards me with your steering not working. Yeah, yeah. Don't want you waving out the window with the steering wheel in your hand. <laughs> not a good look. Not a good look. Mike, the AECCC is allowing manufacturers and other stakeholders to collaborate in an effort to get the AdBlue crisis under control without the risk of breaching competition laws. <laughs> Isn't it marvellous how you can just change the rules when the playing field needs to have the change made? Yep. At any other time, 
collaboration on prices or product service or anything like that is something that will see you landed in the courts and find until your eyes are bleeding. Yeah, it's a cartel. <laughs> but right now, the ACCC is saying an interim authorisation allows AdBlue manufacturers to cooperate in a number of ways. I'm not exactly sure what the ways are. The manufacturer's coordination of their response with the government, the important step to providing a regular supply of AdBlue. Hmm. We're trying to expand the manufacturing capacity of AdBlue. We're trying to do a number of things to address the issue. Once again, there are links in the story that you can go ahead and have a look at. The prices of AdBlue are just soaring. Yep. It's ridiculous, the price of AdBlue. Yep. It's ridiculous, the profiteering that some people are doing. It's ridiculous the price gouging that some of the service stations are doing. It's also ridiculous the hoarding that some of the people are doing. Yeah. Some companies really do need to take a long, hard look at themselves because some of them deserve an uppercut. Yeah. They really, really do. Now, look, I appreciate that everyone's trying to protect their own interests and keep their own business running and service their own customers. And let's face it, road transport's not a team game. Hmm. But having said that, if you're hoarding it, and you're storing it incorrectly, it'll go off and it'll be no good to you or anyone else. And if it goes off on you, well, I say tough. Mm. But at the same time, I know of some guys who have taken steps to disable the AdBlue systems in their trucks. I'm not going to name them because I don't blame them for doing it. Mm. It is a risk, and I'm not telling anyone that listens to our show to go ahead and do it because if you do, you are, in fact, taking a legal position, which is probably not going to be good for you if you get caught. Mm. But at the same time, I can understand why people are taking steps to protect their own interests. And let's face it, the plants in China and Japan are going offline. Uh, We've got congested shipping channels. We've got a supply crisis that's going on. The system's broken. Yeah. And it's taken something like this to highlight how the system's broken. Now, I don't look to the government to solve all of our problems because, let's face it, the government cause half of our problems. (laughs) Yes. We've got a transport task to do. We're required to use this AdBlue to comply with the environmental requirements, either that or the other SCAGR systems. And I reckon that this AdBlue crisis has put a dirty taste in the mouth of people with AdBlue trucks and they'll be looking for other alternatives when they replace them. Yeah. I know I certainly would be. Yeah. Mm. And before people start getting any ideas about making their own at home, just a reminder, as you've said before, peeing in your tank is not a good idea. No. No, you'll end up with nasty burns and not in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. You'll end up in as much trouble as Novak Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject thereof, I know we promised not to mention the C word on this show, but we did. in a bold statement via the Prime Minister this week, the National Cabinet's announced that the seven-day rolling COVID testing for truckies is to be scrapped. Look, at about time too... We do have to move on. We do have to start to live with the C word. Hmm. And, you know, the rapid antigen test, well, here's another episode of price gouging and profiteering and mongrel behaviour by people. Oh, hell yeah. And they're talking about you go to the pharmacy and you're going to have to produce your ID and they'll record it like they do when you go and buy a Sudafed. Hmm. Right? So people don't become rat addicted, they're saying. They're rat addicted. Look, and there are some neurotic people out there that want to go and test themselves every day oh, yeah. because the level of fear and crap that's just been ramped up, and I blame the media as much as anyone. Mm. We've got people out there who are scared of their own shadow and they're going to want these rapid antigen tests. Yeah, I don't know. What can you say? We really do need to just grow up and move on, and it's refreshing to me to see the government starting to walk this back. Yep. Now all we've got to do is get the presenters on the mainstream media to start walking it back a little bit, and maybe we can actually get back to normal. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Look, it would be, mate, but further down in the story there, if you look, there's a caveat that says details as to how each individual state will comply with the order yeah. and when it will happen yeah. are yet to be announced. Oh, yeah, well, look, we could expect McGowan to go off and do his own thing and Andrews to do his own thing and Palachuk to go and do her thing. Well, Andrews, if he finds his way back from holidays, wherever he is, yeah. Well, don't even start me on that, mate. Mm. If it was anyone else, I'm no fan of any of them at the moment. As far as I'm concerned, the only bloke that could organise a got the sack Mm. and uh, you might need to cut that out. Oh dear. Truck horn on that bit. Very long truck horn on that bit. Mm. I've met politicians, I know a few of them, and they're just average people and they're stuck in a situation. I honestly think they've backed themselves into a corner. Oh, they have, totally. And they just don't know how to get out of it now. But I know how they can get out of it. What? 
they can say, sorry, we were wrong, we made a mistake. Yeah, what politician's going to say that? I've yet to meet one that'll say I was wrong. None that I'm aware of, yeah. Anyway, with a bit of luck, we'll see the back of these seven-day tests very shortly and we can start to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Mm. Mind you, though, I've been driving around over here and I'm seeing a lot of people driving around in cars with masks on when they're on their own. I wonder what makes them tick. Yeah, more than anything, it'd be nice to see trackies being treated as human beings again. Well, that'd be nice, mate. I've been over at the BP at Little Boundary Road today and had a shower and they've been perfectly nice in there, so all the facilities are there for you to use, which is nice. Mm. I'm about to head off up to Hume and see what goes on up there this evening and get back to it, mate. I love trucking and back over here where things make as little sense as they ever did. I can hear the joy in your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I'm going to have a concert. Mm. I'm going to get out there tonight and I'm going to go nuts, mate. I'm going to have an ACDC concert in the truck tonight. That's the plan. Good. I'll probably be able to hear it from my place. You probably will, buddy. Yeah. Thought for the week. Okay. Give a man a truck and he's happy for a day. Give a man a girl and he's happy for a night. (laughs) Give a man a girl that loves trucks and he's happy for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. See you, bud. Take care of yourself, mate. We'll catch you later. You too, mate. Bye. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. You can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hi, I'm Fanny Lumsden and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. Something to talk about. Well, it's grey nomad time. They're out and about. School holidays. Mum and Dad hook the caravan up. They're out and they're doing their thing and they don't really worry too much about what you're doing. I was at Pheasant's Nest Tuesday and, by God, people parked anywhere and everywhere. It was bloody impossible to try and find a parking space. Just mind-blowingly stupid things that some people do. And look, I appreciate it. It gets under your skin the same as everyone. I'm the same as you all. Frustrates me as much as anyone. Trying to get past that car and all of a sudden they can find the extra 10 kilometres an hour at the end of the three-laner. It's just a pain. I just want to remind you all that at the end of the day, we're all about just trying to get home safe, everyone. People are always going to do something stupid. They're always going to try and take advantage. They're always going to put their interests in front of ours. They're always going to try and be that little bit further in front of us. They don't want to be held up by the truck. Now, we all know it's true. All I'm saying to you is something to talk about amongst yourselves, something to think about. You're not going to help yourself if you get frustrated. You're not going to help the other traffic if you get frustrated. If you push too hard and make a mistake, it's all going to blow back on you. You really need to be aware of that because we are the professionals and we really should try and set an example. Now, I know that's a little bit idealistic, and I can hear some of you laughing and some of you yelling and saying, Jesus Christ, Mick, what a knob. But when it comes down to it, it's true. We've got to try and do the right thing and save lives, even if it's only our own. Because at the end of the day, if you have a crash and something happens and someone points the finger at you and it's even half your fault, you'll pay for it and pay for it and pay for it. And we will pay for it as an industry. So have a think about it. Give yourself an extra half an hour around the traps. Watch out for these clowns coming out of the summer nats in Canberra over the weekend because there'll be a few of those with their flash cars on trailers. It's a great big car show. They say I was at Pheasant's Nest the other day and it was just diabolical. They were everywhere. Keep it safe out there and we'll catch up with you next week. On last week's show, we featured a one-on-one chat with Billy Joe Porter, and we aired her brand new single, Eyes Wide Open. So let's go back to where it all began for her. Here's Billy Joe with the song that launched her amazing career, Feels Like Us. Started like fireworks in the early days Every moment 
That's our show for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... <laughs> ah, well, we'll be right. Andy says... How very dare you. And our guest says... Oh, come on, pull out the big guns. Until we catch up with you again next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.